Hey there, listeners. Welcome back to the podcast. This is JJ. Before we jump into this week's episode, I just wanted to let you know that Diacritical is hosting its first event on Saturday, October 19th. To learn more about that, click over to the Scripts and Scores button. Now, what we're doing is we're hosting a sort of speed dating event for artists across the KC area, so go check that out. If you're interested and able to come, do please register for that, just so we know your medium, uh, what you produce as an artist, so we can uh, best pair you up there. As always, this podcast is written and produced by the writers of Diacritical, and music is written and produced by Megan Conley. So, let's get into it. Megan, if you would, please. Hey, Diet Critical listeners, welcome back. This is JJ with you. I am out of town. I'm currently in St. Louis, and I have a guest for you today who I am very excited to share with all of you. His name is LJ White. He is a composer. He teaches at Washington University. LJ, hello. Hi. <laughs> how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm great. Um, so tell me a little bit about yourself. Okay. Um, so I'm a composer. Uh, I'm a professor at Washington University in St. Louis of composition and theory. I've been here for two years now. Okay. Um, originally from Massachusetts. I've lived in Boston and the Bay Area and lived in Chicago uh, for six years before moving here. Okay, okay. So it sounds like you're a little bit of a Midwest person as well. I've become one, yeah. Yay! Interesting. <laughs> we, we're, we're good at drawing people in like that, so. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so... The thing that brings me to St. Louis today is I caught the St. Louis Symphony perform last night. One of my all-time favorite pieces, one of your all-time favorite pieces mm -hmm. I've come to learn as well, Mahler's Second Symphony. So what were you doing on stage? I was singing. I was a bass one. Yes. Um, yeah, which was such an amazing experience. I, um, I used to be a trombone player, actually. I did my undergrad okay. degree in trombone and composition. Nice. And I went abroad from Boston University to the Royal College of Music my mm -hmm. junior year. And okay. we played Mahler II that fall um, with Bernard Hytink conducting. Yes! Um, <laughs> I got to play assistant principal trombone, and I think it probably kept me playing the trombone for another year. It was just such an incredible experience, incredible piece. Um, but I've always sang, and... Um, had just had to struggle with my relationship with that because I'm transgender. So I've been on testosterone now for a bit over two years and was able to audition successfully for this choir as a bass, which is the first time I've gotten to sing in a choir with this voice and for it to be that piece. That's awesome. Yeah, that's really that's really awesome. And yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you for sharing. Uh -huh. Um, Mahler, yeah, singing. Mahler, I, I haven't had that privilege yet, but I've played a number of Mahler symphonies, but yeah, 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 I, I have never had to go through that process of my voice changing in that way. I, I, I can't fathom um, all of that. What sorts of things did you do um, throughout to like figure out where your voice is gonna sit? Um, well, I mean, I kind of just had to wait and see where it was gonna sit, but I was hoping I would be a baritone or a bass, so okay. I was pleased with that. I um, studied voice uh, at a place called the Jackson Voice Lab in Chicago um, when I was living there, uh, which they have a lot of students who are trans singers and they specialize in that. Also, um, just speaking 
just trans boys. Right, voice um, pathology, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So uh, I was not sure whether I was going to go on testosterone because um, singing is such an important part of my identity, you know, it seems right. almost on par with gender for me to be a singer, and it is a bit of a crapshoot, you know, mm-hmm. how it's going to turn out, whether you're going to have the facilities that you had before, but I do feel like a lot of people are learning so much about it, and it's maybe not as much of a crapshoot as we thought if you do the right, you know, if you just keep singing through it and do the exercises that help you to build flexibility as your voice is changing, um, right. if you're FTM, right, right, and, right. you know, if you're just as knowledgeable as you can be about it. So at first I was um, just trying to lower the voice that I had um, without the hormones and ended up kind of living in tenor range, uh, but then was also deciding whether or not to go on testosterone. And I think by the time I did, mm-hmm. I was also used to letting my larynx relax much more. You know, I had kind of unlearned okay. a lot of the socialization, both singing and speaking, gotcha. that you get when you're socialized as a woman. Um, yeah, speech yeah, yeah. patterns are fascinating. Like it's it's a really interesting thing. Right, and as you say, our voice is a huge part of our identity. And you know, when I was going through puberty, it was one of those weird things where I would force my voice lower on the phone when I'd pick up the phone, and uh, because I was always mistaken for my mother, which is not a bad thing, but it's mm-hmm. just one of those things when you're growing up as a little boy. It's just like this is weird. I don't. I I don't like that. Even though. It's, it's neither here nor there for the generally cis person like myself. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and voice is something that I've kind of always studied on the side as well, but I love the fact that you are a multiple instrumentalist and vocalist of sorts as well, and composer. Um, and here I am as a percussionist, conductor, vocalist, yeah, you're toy pianist. <laughs> quite the multifaceted musician. <clears throat> well, and that's something that I think we've talked about on this podcast, is how the musician today just needs to be flexible and adaptable at, at what they do. So let's jump back to uh, St. Louis and Mahler too. So this was uh, their new music director, Stefan Deneves. It's only his second concert. Yeah, his second official concert, yeah. Awesome, and mm-hmm. you saw the, the uh, premiere performance that he did last year on the season, uh, or of this season rather. Uh, tell me a little bit about that concert. Wait, sorry, which one? The, the first one of this season. Oh, right, last week, yeah, opening night, yeah. yeah. Oh, geez. Um, now I'm going to forget everything that was on it. But uh, <laughs> Right, it was a grab bag of... There were a lot of things. things on that concert. Yeah, the hands mm-hmm. of Jennifer Higdon, Blue mm-hmm. Cathedral. Yeah, three um, pieces by Living Composers. Um, which is very cool. Imagine! <laughs> that's uh-huh. awesome. That's that's really yeah. stellar for um, any French composer, Connaisson, who I think he's planning to do a lot of his music this year. Um, and then also a Ravel Piano Concerto and American in Paris by Gershwin. I think the idea of it was blending French and American musical culture uh, because yeah, he's yeah, yeah. French and he's coming to us and right, right, yeah, right, right. sort of was saying from the stage that he's kind of, it's like a marriage in effect, like he's becoming part of our family. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I thought that was thoughtful and yeah, it is wonderful to see that much music by... It really is. I, I, I say it's kind of a grab bag sort of mm-hmm. concert because there's a little bit of everything for everyone, uh-huh. um, it feels. Yeah, I think it sets a tone too, right? That, um, especially you know, with an opening night that's supposed to be you know, right. an indicator of who someone is as a conductor, but also something to pull people in. And he's saying, no, we're going to do exactly not the typical repertoire necessarily. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how long have you been around St. Louis? Uh, so this is my third year in St. Louis. Okay, okay. So we're both relatively new to Missouri, which mm-hmm. I find interesting. It's my third year in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're on opposite sides of the state. Very interesting music scenes in both cities, honestly. Um, Kansas City Symphony, uh, Lyric Opera, they are doing their own great things, and there's so many weird pockets. Uh, what are some things that you found about St. Louis that you love? Um, there's a lot. And actually, I mean, this city had to grow on me, to be honest. But mm-hmm. but there is really more and more. There's a lot of kind of things going on here that seem sort of under the radar that you sort of have to... Just know about or yeah. have them on. Uh-huh. Like, for instance, last night after the concert, we went to a pizza place and we walk into this uh, pizza joint and... I'm just blown away by the fact that there is a jazz trio there, piano, bass, and trumpet, just playing in this place, and I could not help but grin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a trombone player later, and they have a lot of different things. This was Yaki's Pizza on Cherokee Street. They've been there for a long time. There. Okay. And, and tell me about this neighborhood, because we were walking through this morning to grab breakfast, and it's the most endearing neighborhood, I feel. <laughs> Great. Yeah, I love this neighborhood, and I moved here from a different neighborhood um, a year ago, a bit over a year ago, and I think that's when I really kind of started to fall in love with St. Louis. Um, this is one of the few neighborhoods that feels socioeconomically mixed, um, by every Mm -hmm. measure, and yet doesn't feel as if the city is trying hard to turn it into something that, you know, feels more like gentrification in another city. Right. Um, which is not to say that nothing complicated or problematic is going on here, but... Of course. But it's... I think there's much more coexistence here, actually, um, than in almost any neighborhood. And St. Louis is, you know, it has a very fraught racial history. Um, Same with Kansas City. Yeah. yeah. And and, and continuing into the present, right, with policing and with all sorts of... It's it's a tough city. And it's a city that feels like everything that's going on in America is going on, like, times 100 here. Yeah, It can be a tense place to be. Right, right, Um, right. But yeah, I there's a lot that I really love about this neighborhood, and there's a lot of like small galleries here and music studios awesome. and sort of an artsy vibe where it feels like people around me are making things, right, and right, right, talking to each other and. Yeah, I was telling you a little bit this morning how whenever I travel out of uh, the place where I live, it's like, oh, I want to be here. Like the first time I visited <laughs> Omaha a couple of summers ago, Omaha I was just like, is real cool. cool. I was there for Omaha Under the Radar this right. past summer. Right, 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 right. Oh, it was the first summer that I wasn't able to go. Um, uh, but yeah, like Omaha is this incredibly special place. Uh, St. Louis is this magnificent, lovely place. Again, as you said, this neighborhood isn't trying to be like anyone else. And that was something we were talking about a little bit this morning, how it feels a lot of times that the Midwest is trying to be like the coast, whether it's East Coast or West Coast. Um, And when you kind of just settle in and get into it a little bit, it's a cool place to be. Kansas City, St. Louis, all these places have such an interesting story behind them that, as you said, is often fraught with uh, redlining and uh, today gentrification. It's City-county politics in St. Louis. Right, mm-hmm. right, 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 right. Um, so yeah, uh, let's get back to... Um... Ah, shit, they'll cut this part out. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... 
a little bit more about St. Louis and, and what you found here. Um, right, you wanted to talk about music. Right, <laughs> so getting back to music. Uh-huh. So where did you come from uh, to get to St. Louis? So I moved here from Chicago. Right, okay. um, I was doing a doctorate degree at Northwestern University. Okay. Um, and working with a lot of ensembles in the new music scene there that I've still found it easy to work with. Um, I, it's like a four and a half, five hour drive and I'm in Chicago every two to four months or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's been great to have the proximity. But um, yeah, I mean, sorry, what was your original question? Uh, so uh, getting to St. Louis and uh, kind of going along with the, the whole train uh, from Chicago, literally uh-huh. taking the train from Chicago. Um, the, the contemporary music scene here, it sounds like the symphony is a little bit more tied to the contemporary music scene here. Was that yeah, right? Yeah, you know, I think that's true. Um, more so than in Chicago, definitely. Really? And what's interesting about the new music scene here, or music in general here, is because there are fewer musicians of all kinds, mm-hmm. I feel like we are all more likely to know each other, and there's sort of more cross-genre stuff happening, actually, in a lot of ways than there might be in a city where, like, there's a huge community of symphony and opera people, and there's a huge community of contemporary classical people, and there's okay. a huge jazz scene that has its own... Like, none of the scenes in Chicago kind of need each other. Re- okay. Um, and so here... Okay. So here we have... Um, the symphony does a concert series at the Pulitzer Museum, where okay. they play contemporary classical music, and they program really great stuff. Tim Monroe, who used to be the flutist of the Eighth Blackbird, programs their concerts. Um, okay. And also, he's the, the voice of St. Louis Symphony on the radio, and he's... Nice. Yeah, but he programs, like, really great things, brings people in from all over, like, kind of the most interesting things happening now. Kinds of Kings, they were just here. Okay. Um, and the musicians really invest in it, the symphony musicians, and play it really, really well. Solid, solid. Yeah. It's, going back to what you said about Chicago, it sounds like the scenes don't need each other there. That's an interesting way of looking at it. It's something I haven't really thought about. Because, um, you know, with Diacritical, we're trying to build more bridges across the community mm-hmm. in Kansas City specifically. Um, but that's awesome that you have yeah. those relationships here, built here. Yeah, I think there's a lot of examples of that here. There's a group called the 442s that okay. has two jazz musicians and two symphony string players, and they... Um, yeah, their pianist and sort of leader is a guy named Adam Manis that does all these awesome arrangements from all sorts of genres that they all play. Y'all, um, my, my wig is snatched right off right now. I'm so interested. <laughs> come to, to their just... Christmas Spectacular. You should come back for that. Oh my it's God. Okay. One of the greatest things ever. It's cool. really amazing. Cool, cool, cool. So yeah, it feels more like I've met all sorts of different kinds of musicians here and I'm not sort of pegged as a contemporary classical person and automatically like an object of fear or something, you know? Right, because it's, um, it's a label, it's being placed in a yeah. box, and we want to play in all sorts of different boxes. Because, right. Yeah. I mean, on the other hand, it does mean sometimes that if I want to work with players who specialize in contemporary classical music, you know, run things by people, I'm on Skype a lot more than I used to be. It's making me stay in touch with people who live all over the place actually better than I used to when I lived in Chicago. Okay. I kind of feel more like I'm a bigger part of the national scene and a part of this local scene at the same time living here, I would say. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I think we are going to take a quick break on that. We will be right back. Hey, listeners, we are back with LJ White. 
All right, let's jump back into it. So LJ, what are some recent projects that uh, you have written or worked on or some future things that are coming up for you? Um, sure, so I, let's see, recently I wrote an orchestra piece called Community Acoustics that the Chicago Symphony just commissioned a 13-player arrangement of that they're doing on their music now, um, their new music series on yeah. October 7th. Awesome. Um, that Michael Lewinsky's conducting there. It's, Love him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we're really excited about that. It's a piece that deals loosely with the, the sound that you find in natural ecosystems. There's a stratification of register among different species so they can communicate with each other that could sort of be a model for the way humans could exist and care about the environment and each other and everything mm -hmm. um, that involves some audience participation as well. Nice. Yeah. Uh, thanks. There, um, I recently wrote a piece for soprano and bassoon awesome. uh, called Shuffled Notes from A Guide to Drag Kinging, which is a setting of poetry by Franny Choi, um, Ann Arbor-based poet, about drag kinging. Um, awesome. Okay. Which she allowed me to shuffle the words around, which was really interesting. Huh. And for this duo uh, called the Pushback Duo, Alexandra Smither and Ben Roydal Ward, who have commissioned a body of work for soprano and bassoon that all pushes back against the status quo in some way that has some sort of social or political resonance. Right, um, right, right, right. Um, they toured with that last year. I, I love all of these groups that I'm finding uh, that, like soprano and bassoon or soprano and bass, um, uh, that are just commissioning music for themselves. I, I, I love this, but tell me more about this piece and, and like the text and a guide to drag king. Sure. Um, so yeah, the, the text, it's, it's a prose poem, I guess you'd call it by, um, Franny Choi, who is a cis woman, but who I, you know, who has some experience questioning her gender. Um, okay. and the, the, it's set up as a guide to preparing yourself to go out on stage as a king. And then finally ends with a stanza called Packing Instructions. Um, <laughs> Solid, that, okay. <laughs> you know, is about like what it's like to be packing and then to walk out on stage and just have like people screaming for you and right. like just the exhilaration of that. Um, and so, yeah, there's that part. So I, I, I worked with excerpts of it. Um, that's the end of her poem is that part. It begins with a part called Uncrossing mm -hmm. that uh, talks more about just you know, what it means to kind of be in an in-between state, questioning your gender. Um, okay. And yeah, which has sort of a very circular feeling to it that to me reminded me of, you know, questioning every little decision about your self-presentation kind of again and again. Right. And bigger things about how you see yourself in the world and wondering if it's like, you know, if, if, if it's just a problem with you or, you know, like what you even need to get to where you need to be. Right. Um, and whether you're really going to, I don't know. It's, it's, it, it was, it's a difficult state that occupies a lot of mental bandwidth. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so in the poem that was first and packing instructions was last. So <laughs> I started with packing instructions and shuffled the words around so that it's not so explicitly a narrative of like, you feel it in your pants and you walk out and you see this and you hear this and you feel this awesome. but more just when all the words are shuffled and they're very evocative words you kind of just get an onslaught that I think to me is more like what it must feel like and I actually haven't performed as a drag king my relationship to this poem was more just you know getting to embody a gender every day 
that empowers me and you know what that's like the first time or toward the beginning of that process right right, Um, right. so I wanted it to feel more like just a totality of feeling than something coherent I guess so so that's the first part and then the second part I worked with on crossing and I sort of circled a lot of the texts around to make it even more like you're going back and forth over the same thoughts um the word a fluke is in there. They're the phrase a fluke that I, I brought that phrase back a lot because I think you're constantly wondering, you know, is this all a fluke or okay, kind of. Um, oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, and, and the, the first movement is sort of higher, like faster paced, and the second one is more contemplative. But um, it's been amazing putting it together with these musicians, and they've been traveling with it. And yeah, it's it's been very cool. Awesome, yeah. You you talk about all these experiences, and as two members of the queer community, uh-huh. um, especially with the vast experiences that we have had as as two queer men in the in the community, it's it always it always feels like there's an onslaught of trying to figure out and define mm-hmm. who we are inside, or trying to find the box that feels just right to place ourselves in, but that it often feels like we're trying to let Mm -hmm. others figure that out for us, but figuring that out for ourselves is the imperative part Mm -hmm. of the experience, so. Yeah, Yeah. that's what Bell Hooks says. The definition of queerness is that you have to work out what yourself is. I'm paraphrasing, but she says something like that in the panel discussion. Awesome. You have to work out who yourselves are, yeah. Right, 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 right. Also very interesting. Um, I think that is going to bring our time for today. Okay. LJ, thank you so much for sharing everything. You're so uh, uh, th- th- thank you. Uh, we're going to tag everything that we can of yours um, on the blurb that we have for the podcast on our website. If there's anything that you want to plug right now, feel free to. Um, where can we find you online? Uh, ljwhitemusic.com okay and okay. yeah there's there's the Chicago Symphony thing on October 7th I have projects coming up in St. Louis as well um, Chamber Project St. Louis they're commissioning a piece in February and I have a piece on the Pulitzer series with the St. Louis players in March nice 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 so uh, Kansas Cityans definitely try and figure out how to get out to that we are going to try and get you out to Kansas City sometime um, thank you so much again for sharing everything today. Thank you. It means a great deal. Um, and thank you, Diacritical listeners, for tuning in today. We will see you next week. Bye.